Welcome to a special edition of the Truth of the Matterist podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan, and I'm here with our special guest. But before we introduce and welcome him in appropriately, let's begin by recognizing and appreciating all our new and consistent listeners. We thank you all in advance for continuing to press play at your own convenience. Now, if you're a first-time listener of the Truth of the Matters podcast, we want you to know that this podcast is all about providing an honest, contextual, historized, philosophical, psychological view of the Bible through the use of hermeneutics while sharing some personal experiences with myself, Daniel, and our guests. Today, we hope after you will hear a new voice, one in which who has been walking with Christ for some time now and has learned from their mistakes and whatnot and the wisdom that they can depart to our audience today, that you would be blessed, inspired, and motivated to press on. You know, we also believe on the truth of the matter is that we should be providing practical ways of applying God's word mm-hmm. every day. And with that being said, we're going to invite our special guest on, Terry Lee Diamond III. How are you today, sir? Hey, good, good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Okay. Do you remember how we met? Uh, I think it was through a Facebook, um, yeah, like a Facebook page, like a, you know, yeah. a community Facebook of Christians. Yeah, exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. Which goes to show, you know, we want people to know that sometimes you can meet genuine Christians online especially yeah. Facebook. So what can you say are some positive things you have received from being in Facebook groups and some of the things you've learned from that? Well, I, I like it because I have a habit of scrolling through Facebook a lot. And so what I've done is kind of got myself into a lot of Christian groups so that my mind is always stayed on the things of God, you know, whether I'm being reminded of something or if I'm, I'm learning something. You know, and so, yeah, it's been it's been really good for me. Um, and uh, I've, I've you know, learned a lot. There's a lot of debates going on. There's a lot of people choosing sides. And and it's it's it's, it's very interesting. Yeah, I would agree. So here is some information about Terry Lee Diamond that many people may not know. He was raised in the hood of Stockton, California. At a point in time, Terry. Was homeless and was using meth and heroin before the Lord saved. Mm, yeah. Terry has two sons, Barlin and Terry. In Terry's spare time, he loves to write Christian rap as a hobby, and he believes that he has a gift of teaching the Word of God. And of course, before we get into your full testimony here on the Truth in the Matters podcast, we believe that leading with prayer is one of the most foundational things we can do. You know, inviting the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. into this conversation because it's two of us. You know, we can confirm that that is enough for the Holy Spirit to be present. So with that being said, we're going to indulge in prayer. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity that you have given us to fellowship with one another. Yes, Lord. Lord, you said anytime two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst. So we thank you for our guest, Terry. The Truth of the Matters podcast appreciates the time he set aside to provide us with his personal testimony. Lord, the beautiful thing about testimonies and the beautiful thing about talking and hearing them is that we get to have a sneak peek into 
their faith walk with you, Lord. We learn about how you've been a blessing to them just as much as you've been a blessing to us individually. Yeah. Lord, we pray that after this conversation we have with one another, someone will be encouraged out there. And on that, Lord, open up someone's eyes yes, who Lord. hasn't been able to see, hmm. their ears so that they can hear, their minds so that they can understand, and their hearts so that they can receive a word in season from Terry, whatever he, he's open to share. Let all who are listening be blessed and leave with a different perspective of life and your word. And all in agreement, saying in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So Terry, when you look over your life currently and where you were, what are some odd jobs that you've done that you feel have played a pivotal role in your character development, but also played a pivotal role in your life moving forward? Look. Like, uh, like, like jobs, like employment. Yeah. Any employment yeah. that you've done. Yeah. So, um, man, I was jumping from job to job since 18, but I would say the most effective was the door to door. So I used to, I was in teen challenge. It's a Christian faith-based recovery program. And that's where Jesus really changed my mind. He changed everything about me. Um, but we used to do door to door fundraising you know, six days a week, eight to 10 hour days. And I think that was probably the, the biggest character development because I had to trust God for the, for the quota, for the money. I had to, you know, keep the joy of the Lord in, in it all. It's like, I got everything tied in just that, that one opportunity. And I did door to door for about five years. So it was a, a lot of, a lot of time doing it <clears throat> and definitely reaping a harvest of of that for sure what would you say skill wise you learned from that experience well i would say it, it would be communications just being able to approach people and communicate and not be in a little shell and being fear because you know as a child i was afraid of public speaking i was afraid of i was just very shy and i feel like that weakness of mine became a strength once i got out there and, and allowed the Lord to work in that area, you know, just kind of confronting it so that the Lord could strengthen that area. But yeah, definitely communications, not being afraid to approach people, you know, not taking anything personal, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, it was definitely uh, um, in itself very productive. Okay. So tell us a little bit about your story. How did you end up submitting yourself to Christ? You know, walk us through it a little bit. Yeah, I'll give you a short testimony. Um, I was born and raised in Stockton, like you said. Um, my parents, they were never married, um, but I was raised by my stepdad. Now, my family were not, you know, Christian family. I wasn't raised in the church. I wasn't raised in any kind of biblical principles or anything like that. You know, there was a couple of values and morals as far as what not to do, but yeah, so I was definitely unaware of me having a calling, what God says about me and about us. And so all that to me was just, you know, it was foreign to me. And so, you know, I, at about 13, um, I started smoking weed, taking Vicodin. And by, the by the age 15, I started doing meth and um, in and out of juvenile hall, you know, home invasions first degree burglaries, Grand Theft Auto. So there was just a lot of these these little things that I've done which 
you know, I didn't get caught for all of it, but, you know, I did some time. And, you know, I never really gave the thought of coming to God or anything like that until age 23. So from about 15 to 23, in and out of juvenile hall, you know, my dad, my stepdad kicked me out, you know, um, and just really living on the streets, like literally and staying at friends home. And I didn't really cry out to Jesus until I was about 23. And, you know, there was, I was on meth. I was on heroin at that time. I was 118 pounds, skin and bones, sleeping outside of churches, sleeping outside of banks, just freezing, never eating, you know, what do you like once, once a week and go down to the, uh, uh, what do you call that? The St. Mary's shelter and get, get some free food. But it was, it was, it was definitely a struggle, but I would say that, you know, when I cried out to Jesus, he, he responded. And I feel like that was when everything changed, you know, um, uh, I'll just give you a short little story. So I was, I went back home to my mom and my stepdad's house and they had kicked me out and it was raining. I had no jacket, nothing. Right. And I just wanted, I just needed help. And so in my life where I felt that nobody loved me, nobody wanted me just completely exiled in that moment, I was vulnerable to receive and to experience the power of God. And I remember when they did not let me in, I went on my stepdad's uh, tailgate and just in the rain, just cried, crying out to Jesus, help me, help me. And I literally just felt the presence of God, like his love. And since that moment, I would say that everything has changed. You know, then I went into program at 23 which was Teen Challenge, started memorizing Bible scriptures, um, not forgetting them, you know, and just just really educating myself. I believe God has set me apart and really has been educating me in the spirit and what, you know, what he wants to reveal to the world and to me. And so very dysfunctional life in the beginning, just very careless, very loosely, didn't really care about anything, no plans. There, there was nothing like that, you know, and then Braylon, Braylon was born at the time. Actually, he was born and then I cried out. I would say that Braylon was definitely a big part of that as well, because, you know, for the first time in my life, I was able to think about somebody other than myself. And, you know, I believe that Braylon, my oldest son, really deserved more. And so that was a big part, too. And and also just being miserable, you know. Um, But Jesus showed up. He revealed himself. And so it's not, I don't believe because my dad raised me Christian and my mom raised me Christian, nothing like that. You know, I'm not going to just pretend that something's real when it's not, you know. So I needed that encounter with the presence of God or else I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't believe Jesus is who he says he is. And so that's kind of like a condensed version, you know. And so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let me ask you this. When did you hear about Jesus? Do you remember the first time? Yeah, yeah, I do remember. This was, I believe my, it was the first time I heard about Jesus, my stepdad had this, because at the time I was like 12, 11, 12, he saw bad behavior. And, you know, I started sneaking my girlfriend in, in the window. And so I heard about Jesus from a Jehovah's Witness about 11 or 12, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, And, but 
we we had like a little meeting and then the next time they came i just i, I ran out the back door you know and hopped the fence and left so so it was that was it but then after that you know i started to hear about jesus in juvenile hall and you know every time you know you're in juvie to get out of your cell you're gonna want to do anything but stay in the cell and so i would go to chapel services in, in, in juvie and just kind of you know just just there didn't really learn anything don't remember anything i mean people did pray over me and so so it could be a combination of all that you know it, it's hard to just pinpoint when exactly jesus that, that his name just really you know was taught you know i don't it's hard to remember mm-hmm. the reason why i ask you this is because we are knowledgeable and aware of that there are other faiths out there yeah and there are some that proclaim that Allah has changed their life or Buddha mm-hmm. has changed their life. So it's always interesting that even in being in Jewry, you still had programs that were featured in highlighting Jesus. Mm. And I wanted to know at any point where you were at your bottom, did any other belief system appear before you in trying mm. to convince you to change your life at that time? Yeah, so that's that's I'm glad you brought that up. No, not one time was I homeless. Did anybody ever approach me about the name of Jesus, about the gospel, about anything? Not one time from the time on the streets ever, you know, being homeless. Not one time has anybody ever approached me. And I think God has allowed me to see that because, you know, he's raising me up to be an evangelist. And I, I see the need. I've experienced the need. And so, yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, no, not one time in the seven to eight years. So, gotcha. okay. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, when you dove into scripture, do you remember the first book of the Bible you read? Um, the first book, well, in juvie, I used to read the Bible in my cell. I think I was in the gospels a lot. Uh, I started when I first started, it was the new Testament. I, I you know, started with the gospels and it started reading the, the, you know, Romans letters which I found myself not understanding. And so in my time of, you know, teen challenge and, and, and all that time that I was reading the word and barely beginning to get in the word as an adult, not as a child, I kept rereading Corinthians and Romans. And, and after rereading it for so many times, you, God begins to allow us to understand what we're reading, you know? And so, but first it was the gospels. It definitely was the gospels, just learning about Jesus you know, hearing about what he did and his potential and his life, you know, so. So what would you say when you started reading that things started clicking for you? What would you say in the passages things started clicking? And and let me give you a, a part two to that question. Why do you think those who enter into the faith in the beginning struggle so much with trying to understand what they're reading? Um, so for your first question, I would, you know, it's really hard to just, just say exactly, you know, what it is or what really clicked, but there's a scripture that says in your light, we, you give us light, you know, there's light. And I feel like when I repented and went into program, you know, everything just started to make sense. And even though I was kind of scattered and and it wasn't ultimately have a, a good understanding of it all. Every little scripture I felt like would speak to me. And I think what I did that was very Im- impactful, and I think that really probably did change a lot, is just personalizing it, saying, this is God speaking to me personally. And not just reading it in context. Not because I didn't, I still don't really understand a lot of the context. 
but I know that this word is for me. And so I think, you know, as I'm thinking about it, that would probably be, you know, what really started to click for me is when just personalizing it. Like this is God speaking to me right now, you know, um, the second, I would say the second question, oh, go ahead. Ask your second question again. I believe. So the second question that I asked you was, I said, when it came to you reading scripture, why do you think so many new believers struggle with the idea of, of their understanding of the scripture? Mm. Why do you think they struggle with it? Well, I would say people do struggle with it because they don't, they quit and, and they don't keep reading. They don't keep learning. Right. Mm-hmm. We kind of want that popcorn, that right away instant, like, right. But God is, is in the process. He's, He's growing us. It takes time to grow and it takes time to grow in understanding. But I, there's one scripture that pops out that it says in uh, Proverbs 9, 10, it says that um, for the, the knowledge, of the, oh, the, I, no, I, the, the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So the knowledge you could say is knowing the knowing the information of the Holy One, which is Jesus is understanding. It brings understanding. And so the more we learn, the more we read, the more we read the word of God, the more we're going to understand it. But if we read it for a week and then and then quit, we're not going to get that understanding that we need. I believe it's an underrated gift of God, but it takes us to also, you know, partner with him and read. You know what I mean? Yeah, because I was going to say that verse you just mentioned, Proverbs 9, 10. I, I don't know what translations you're reading that in, but I've read mm-hmm. the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that word fear there means reverence, to have respect for someone or something. Mm. So in order to have access to that knowledge, reverence mm. towards God is what allows your understanding to be opened up. Mm. So interesting. I don't know. Do you do you remember what translation you was looking at? It? Yeah. Let me let me let me see. Proverbs nine, ten. Oh yeah. So the so the, it's that verse you're saying. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So it's the same yeah. verse. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So I just, I, I, I quoted the, the second part. Um, okay. And I got the first part. Okay. Yeah. You got the first part. Yeah. 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 We, we, we you know, we, we got <laughs> yeah, it together. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, cause I always use that verse in relation to when people say, well, how can you be a Christian philosopher? And I said, well, being a Christian and being a philosopher is no different than someone saying that they're a Christian doctor. I believe our mm. admission to Christ is first. And then our responsibility in terms of what we choose for our career is second. Yeah. So I've always said that what allows me to do what I can do is that I have Christ's image and burial over me, right? His blood mm. shields me. And on top of that, his image is what protects me and guides me. And then I then walk in with the perspective of doing things Christ's way in the context of the environment mm. that I'm placed in. So I said, there's no, you know, Christianity and philosophy should never be musically exclusive or diametrically opposed because most Christians have these approach or most philosophers have this approach that the access to God's wisdom has to be separate from God's stewardship and guidance. And I said, that's Mm. not necessarily true. I can still embrace the idea of logic because it's all through scripture, right? Isaiah, come, let us reason together. Right. Mm. There's an understanding that God wants us to come speak to him, which creates relationship. And through that relationship, everything that we do pressing and moving forward is through his identity, through his standard, through his, you know, guidance and direction. And therefore, we're moving 
within the spirit's ability to then move and change lives as a result of you being his ambassador or representative. So that's mm. why I always try to make sure that don't separate the two. Like my yeah. identity is in Christ. Yeah. So, Amen. Yeah. So let me ask you this. When you read scripture, have there been times so far? Let me ask you this. How long have you been walking with Christ? Would you say now? Um, well, I've been on and off. So the first time I stepped into that program was twenty third April 29th, 2013. That was the first time I really repented from drugs as a choice. Um, but I've been on and off. You know, I've I've failed many times, uh-huh. you know, back in the program. And so it's it's been a journey for the past 10 years. Uh-huh. So, but I would say even more now than ever, you know, I know him. I know Jesus. He knows me. I enjoy uh-huh. him. He enjoys me. Like, I know his thoughts. I know, you know, so now it's like, like never before. So. Got you. So I, I suppose the reason why I asked about how long you've been walking in the faith, because there are some scriptures we read at our young stage, right? The, the scripture talks about in Romans at one point, you know, there are some believers that are able to eat meat and vegetables, and there are some mm. that just eat one. Yeah. So I would say when it came to your understanding and get a better clarity of what God is saying in his word. Has there any been has there ever been a scripture that you've read you didn't quite understand or your understanding of it was one way and now that you've been walking with God now a little bit more in a consistent manner that verse then changed for you and now you have a totally different outlook on it. So yeah, I, I could there's a couple of scriptures I'm thinking about that I didn't understand. But what I did is I memorized them, even though I didn't understand them. Mm. I memorized them so that I can have them here and I can meditate on them. Think about them. What God, what does this mean? What does this mean? And I'm thinking of right now two scriptures, but I'm trying to figure out which one I should share. Um, Share both of them. We got time. Just share share both of them. Okay. The first one is in Romans chapter four. Uh Verse four. Okay. I haven't memorized. I just wanted to make sure that was the yeah the words. But it says now to um to let me see. Hold on, let me get the beginning. Uh it says sorry. Now oh, to right. him who works or to a man who works, he oh man, I for a man that works, I, I can't even remember it. But I need the NIV because that's where I memorized it. But let me read it. Now to him who works, his wages are not credit to him. As an uh, as a gift, uh-huh. but as an obligation. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the the ungodly, his faith is accounted in up to righteousness. Uh-huh. So at first, I, I didn't understand those verses, but I memorized them in the NIV, and now I understand that I now. Can, if you want, I can read it to you in the NIV. Yeah, yeah, read that. Okay, well, uh, it looks like you read a little much more, so well, I'll just read Romans. Four and five, four and five. Four, oh, four and five. Okay, yeah, sorry. Right. Okay, so NIV says, Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. Verse five. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. Yeah. So I memorized that without understanding it, but I understand that now what God is saying 
is now to him who works, whoever does good, whoever does obey the law, his work is not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation, which means it's owed. There's wages for doing good. Following the law, there's wages, right? And so it benefits everybody. That's why you see the ungodly prosper, right? And, and so, but to the man who does not work, but believes God justifies the wicked, his faith will be credited to him as uh, righteousness. As righteousness. And so now you see what it is to be righteous. We believe God. Like Abraham believed God and his faith was credited to him as righteousness. And so the righteousness that we get from Jesus is not attained from doing works all the time and doing good. It's our faith in him being fully persuaded, right? Fully convinced that he is able to do and fulfill his promises in our life. And so that took me a little while to kind of understand. And I think what was the most attracting thing about that scripture is I didn't understand it. And so I'm like, there's something about this scripture I gotta, I have to read and, and memorize, right? Okay. So I have a follow-up question before you get to the next uh, yeah. verse here, the next scripture that you that can be helpful to my audience who's listening. Mm -hmm. If someone asked you a question that said, hey, why do bad things happen to good people? What would be your response to that? Well, I would say... That we live, of course, I'm sure you probably heard this response, but we live in, in a fallen world. Mm -hmm. And um, so we're under the authority of Satan as far as our circumstances and things that happen around us, right? We, we're not under his foot as far as what's in our mind and hearts and our decisions that we're making. Mm -hmm. But we can't control Satan outside of ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. We don't have dominion. We don't have, we don't have that, that power over him. That's around us. And so when something bad happens that's around us, I mean, you, you could just look at it like Satan's trying to destroy you, right? He's trying to throw you off track. He's trying to discourage us. He's trying to disrupt what, what God and what me, us and God have going on, you know? So I would say that, yeah, that's it. Satan is, is, is a person. He has a, an army. He, he hates us and he does not love our soul. And so he's going to make sure there's some bad things happen. So that his hopes is that we curse God, right? Like Job, that's his hope. We curse God. We rebel against God. We blame God and we turn away from God. But us who are born again know, you know, that all things work out for our good. So even though it's bad, it may look good, may, may look bad. God is faithful to work it out for our good, you know? So I, yeah, so bad things could be good if we look at it in that, in that perspective. Yes, I was going to say, I was going to hinge on that. If and and add a little bit to what you said my philosophical mindset has shifted my understanding of that question mm. because if you're looking at that question on the surface without a biblical understanding it seems mm -hmm. like a realistic question mm. but if you're reading it from a biblical lens then you realize that one scripture says no one is good except yeah. god is in heaven so how could you ask a question? Why do bad things happen to good people? Oh, that that's good. That would have to be that you would have to be admitting that you or whoever you're looking at is a good person. Mm, right? That's we good. Can't, we can't we can't even view ourselves as good people because I feel like what what we do in society is we paint this picture of good people and bad mm. people. 
Yeah. And that a lot of people would like to believe they are the superhero in their own story. Mm. But we have to come to the realization that the only superhero is Jesus. Amen. Right? We're not superheroes in our own story because we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And then I'll add to the, the point that you made that's very valid is that why in the world would we think what God is doing is bad? If it's supposed to shape our character, fashion yeah. who we are as people, how is it considered bad if you're telling us Romans 8, 28, all things work together for those who love the Lord and are called according to the purpose? Because in order for God to move you from one level to the next, he has to put you in places where your faith will be challenged. Yeah. And as a result of that, will it be a conviction or will it be a preference? Because if it's going to be a preference, then how can God trust you with greater things? And we know about yeah. the parable in, that he speaks to when he talks about, you know, you know, much is given, much is mm. required. Mm. Right. And as a result of that, that those are some tests where depending on what access that you have, how are you going to manage it in order to show God that you can be entrusted with much more? So, yeah, mm. I was just curious to ask that question because I think sometimes as believers, we get tripped over that question without evaluating. Wait a second. That is definitely a worldly question because yeah. us as believers know ain't none of us good. That's right? good. Even yeah. that's, that's what Jesus said. He said, you call me good. The only one that's good is our father in heaven. Yeah. So if, if you're going to say that we're all good, then you're going to misplace the idea that we're all broken and wounded. None of us are placed in this category of goodness. There is no such thing as goodness. Mm. There are good acts, yeah. good practices, good choices. But overall, you, there's nothing good about you except your relationship with Christ, which then transforms you and puts you in a category to do good things as a result to your connection with Christ. Yeah. So that makes us good. Yeah. So, yeah, okay, that's good. Us, yeah. Hit it. If you don't that's die, anything else today. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna add, I'm gonna I'm gonna add that to my arsenal, brother. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because nobody nobody's good. <laughs> if, if if anybody had bad doing to them was Jesus himself, because he was here and he was only good, right? Yeah, that's good. Amen. Okay. So what was your next uh, scripture? You had? So the next one, I definitely have this memorized. Um, it says Romans eight. Hold on. Twenty. Okay, Romans 8.20, for the creation, and this is another scripture that I memorized before I even understood it. I just I just found it so intriguing. I, I couldn't see what it meant, but as I memorized it, and as I've had it memorized for five, six years now, I've, I can understand it. But it says, for the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. In hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of our Lord Jesus Christ. At first, I didn't know what that meant. Now I understand. God subjects us. If we're, if we're frustrated in life, if things are not working out, if things are miserable, if it's frustrating, then we know we are not living in our God-given purpose, Right? And so God subjects us to this frustration and for what? In hopes that we're like, I'm done with this lifestyle. I'm going to try, I'm going to Jesus or I'm going to try something new. I'm going to do something different. So he subjects us to frustration our entire life. And some people stay in that frustration until they die. Right. Mm. But us, 
a lot of us, a few of us are saying, you know what? I'm not created for this. I know I'm created for more. And I, and, and, you know, with, with, with Jesus, something about his name, you know, we come to Jesus and he brings us into the glorious freedom of Jesus Christ, you know? And so you see, I, I see my dad, I'll just share this real quick. My biological dad, he's alcoholic. He's on meth. He's been on it. We used to do meth together when we were, when we were kids, when I was a kid and he was younger. And I, vi- I saw him uh, about almost two weeks ago and I told him, I'm, I told him that the name of God is in our last name. Okay. I said, fun fact, dad, cause I, he doesn't want to hear about the God thing. I said, fun fact, our, our, in our last name, diamond, the, the name I am is in that name. Right. And it's in our last name. And he's like, and, and, and you can see the wheels turning. He's like, well, then why are things going to hell for me? Why is nothing working out for me? Why is everything falling apart? And I explained it. I gave him that scripture. I said, because you've been subjected to frustration because you haven't surrendered. You're living your own ways. You're not turning to Jesus. And so you're going to stay in that frustration your entire life if you don't come to Jesus. And so you see that the sovereignty of God can use evil. And so, yeah, now I understand what that scripture means. Amen. Yes, that's a powerful scripture, you know. A scripture that is very relatable to that doesn't necessarily have to do with that, do with, you know, being frustrated, but I think it's the result of not being content with what you have, having mm. been that you have all that you ever wanted. So this yeah. passage in, I believe, Ecclesiastics, where it speaks about how people who have riches, God mm. doesn't allow them to enjoy it. Mm. They don't have access to enjoy it. So if you like, uh, I'll pull it up. But that's an interesting statement because what that does for us is that it allows, it, it, gives, it gives us a viewpoint and an understanding that all things come, fr- come from God to God and through God. Yeah. So I think people don't realize that those who are wealthy, your wealth that you have obtained or that you have in Christ, you're able to provide more. Mm. It doesn't mean that the wealth and all that you have is something that you harvest under. Yeah. Right? Because we know in Scripture, God can take away things, right? Mm-hmm. He puts people in power. He removes them. He gives people opportunities to, to change their mindset. And eventually, the wealth can go in other places where it can be useful. So, yeah, the pastors in Ecclesiastes that I'm talking about. Let me see. All right, Ecclesiastes. Give me one sec. Ecclesiastics chapter 5, and let's see uh, where I can read from for the context, because context is important. And I'm going to look at this in the English Standard Version, and then we could probably go back and look at this in the NLT. Those are usually two good ones when trying to unpack it. Okay. Ecclesiastes 5. Okay. So it says here, let's start. Let's start at verse 8. It says, if you see in a providence the oppression of the poor and the violation of the justice and the righteousness, do not be amazed at the matter, for the high officials is watched by a higher, and there are, there are yet higher ones over them. But this is gain for a land in every way a king committed to cultivate fields. 
It says, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, mm-hmm. nor he who loves wealth will, will he who loves wealth with his income. This also is in, is in vanity. When goods increase, they increase. Who eats them? And mm-hmm. what advantages has his owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweat is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. There is grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owners to his heart, to his hurt, and those riches were lost in a bad venue. And he is father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. As he had came from his mother's womb, he shall go again, naked as he came, and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. This also is a grievous evil, just as he came to shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, his days he eats in darkness and much vexation and sickness and anger. Okay, we're getting to the verse now. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil which which one toils under the sun. The few days of his life that God has given him, for this is the this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them, and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God, for he will not much remember the days of his life, because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. So it says, everyone, verse nineteen, to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them. And it's accept his lot and rejoice. So let me just go to the NLT because the NLT might say it in a much better fashion. Okay. Because I too study this. And so go to uh, chapter 5, verse 19. And it says, And it is a good thing to receive wealth from God. It is a good thing to receive wealth from God, the good health to enjoy it. So, in other words, when it comes to wealth and the things mm-hmm. that you have, God is the one that gives you the ability to enjoy it, which mm-hmm. means if you're not enjoying it, that means God hasn't given you the ability to actually feel good about what you have. There are people mm-hmm. out there, just not too long ago, there was a famous rapper who questioned all she had. And she talked about just giving it away because she didn't find mm-hmm. fulfillment in it. Right. So sometimes that comes as a result of not being satisfied. So what you were mm-hmm. saying in the passage of Romans is that. The reason why some people don't fulfill have fulfillment is because they haven't found their purpose in life and what they are supposed to do. Mm. And as mm. a result of that, that absent feeling that they have is a result of God's absence in their life. Mm. And that's why some people feel empty, lost, you know, with no purpose in life. What should I be doing? Where should I be? It's a mm. result of just not having that guidance, that direction to push you forward for you to thrive and flourish under what you believe you're supposed to do, right? I'll Amen. tell you, this, there's, there's a famous philosopher, Aristotle. He says, at the intersection of life lies your gifts, talents, and abilities, and then there lies your purpose. But who gives mm-hmm. you your gifts, talents, and abilities? We find out in James that all great, all good gifts come from above, mm-hmm. right? And those gifts are from God. And then those gifts then push you out to do things for his glory. But if you haven't figured those things out, we know gifts are also without repentance. So you have a lot of people out there now that are exercising their gifts and their talents 
but they're doing it to Norm Vale. Yeah. Which means it's not fulfilling to them. Instead, it's a money grab. They're successful and they're doing what's required. They're doing whatever it takes to maintain it. But the problem is they're not happy. Mm. Right? And for yeah. us, whether we're rich, whether we're middle class, whether we're poor, I think the greatest gift we have is relationship with Christ. Because if we don't have the wealth here, we will get it where we're going. Hopefully. Mm. Amen. So that, yeah, so that leads me. It ties in. Yeah. yeah. So that leads me to next question. You know, now that you've been diving into God's word and you've been making it a priority, what can you say since you started reading and learning and study? What has it done for you overall, for your health, for your mindset, for your thought process? You know, take us into what it's done for you and what has changed ultimately. Well, ultimately, it's given me a reason to live, to want to live, to to work. Um, and it's just changed everything. You know, the way I think about myself, the way I think about others, the way I think about, you know, you know, God, of course, and, and my family and, and my children and, and other people that are lost. And, and so the word is definitely given me the mind of Christ. You know, I, I think about what Jesus thinks about when it comes to, you know, other people or certain situations in, 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 in life where we got to make a decision or, you know, going to help this, whatever it is. I just feel like I, I, you know, it's no longer me. It's no longer I, it's no longer us who lives, but it's Christ living in us. I just literally feel that best. I feel like that vessel. It's changed everything. Like I'm passionate now. I've never been passionate about anything. You know, I, I never made any plans. Now I just want to plan to get in my word and, and let God do the rest. You know, I just want to educate myself and, but the word is, is never ending. It's never to a point where it's like, okay, I know enough. Now I can stop. It's like a deep sea. You're just learning and learning and learning revelation, revelation, revelation. So it's never ending. It's just created this, this whole new life for me, literally. And I think he does that for everybody, you know, um, on his terms and his conditions, of course, we got to do on his terms and conditions in, in order to get the fullness of the word, but uh-huh. if anybody's listening, I would definitely encourage you. If you're not reading the word, I would say just the mem- start to memorize his word, memorize scriptures one one a week, one a month, you know, and, and watch the po- his powerful word do a new thing. And 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 you guys, Amen. Amen. So, uh, what book are you in now that you've been reading that's been blowing your mind now a bit? Well, right now I. I'm in Exodus right now, Exodus six. Um, um, also, I just did a, a a video on the parable Matthew twenty two, um, where it talks about the the parable about the kingdom of God being a wedding, and he sent his servants out to you know to invite people. And so there's there's a lot like man, I could read, it and God just gives me the understanding like what it means today, like how can it make sense today like that's that's it's very powerful but um yeah that's pretty much pretty much i could just give you a short little thing about matthew um real quick it's so matthew 22 it says right here in verse one and this kind of ties in with the whole money thing and that's that's good that we're actually talking about this Uh Uh, i'll just read these first two verses says for the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding. 
and they were not willing to come. Well, if we skip down to verse five, we see why they were not willing to come. It says right here, but they made light of it and went their ways. They went their ways instead of coming to Jesus to the wedding and says one to his own farm and another to his own business. And so they went their own ways and literally spent time and found it more interesting to be with the blessing rather than the blesser. Amen. And so you see where that money is not satisfying, but what's crazy is they can think that it's more interesting and more satisfying for right now. But if we choose our own farm, our own businesses, our own things going on, our own ways over God's ways, Jesus calls us unworthy. In verse eight, he says, then go, then say, then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. So he's saying they were not worthy because they chose their belongings more than to be in the wedding, which is ultimately the kingdom of God. But they chose what God gave them rather than the giver. And um, yeah, so that's pretty much, I'm deeply in that right now, just really meditating on that because later in that, that chapter, it says for many are called and few are chosen. And if we see that scripture, we see that the few that are chosen are the few that choose God, right? It's not that God just chose a few, but he, it's the few that choose God. Not many are choosing God because they have their own business. They have their own things. They have their own ways that they rather choose. But the few that do choose him, you know, those are the ones that are called. We are the ones that are called. Amen. Amen. So let me ask you this. On this journey of leadership and guidance, we have shepherds and shepherds are pastors, teachers. Hmm. You know, those sorts, right? Pastors, teachers, preachers. What can you say to those who are struggling after they've realized that maybe a pastor or two that they thought was solid in their theology, their life is not inconsistent with the scripture? Mm. What is your advice to a person that runs into that dilemma? Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Let me give you, I'll, I'll just answer that with scripture real quick. Sorry, it's going to be one second. Oh, no worries. Um, Okay, so this is a good question because I've, you know, I'm definitely, I've answered this question many times and especially specifically to believers. They'll leave the church because of something or they see an example and, you know, they're like, oh, that's not from Jesus. But we got to understand that people aren't the example Jesus is. There is no perfect church. There's no perfect church. And so if we're, we're looking for an excuse to not serve God. Yeah. Then you're serving man, not God. You're, you're, you're doing what, you know, what you're experienced with with man but listen to this this scripture right here ties it all in if i could have just said this this would have been enough but i'm gonna just share it real quick um colossians 2 18 it says right here let no one cheat you or another translation would let no one rob you of your reward though for those who take delight in false humility and worship of angels Okay, so he's saying that those who worship, you know, idols, not Jesus, or those who have this false humility who are fake Christians, right? Don't let them rob you of the reward. Uh -huh. Our reward is eternal life, and our reward is who we are in Christ. 
And so a lot of the times we see that Paul, I mean, the Holy Spirit through Paul already had it figured out that people are going to get hurt by the church. They're going to get hurt by imperfect people and they're going to run away and they're going to rebel and they're literally going to be separated and alienated from God and the kingdom of God. And but he's saying to let no one rob you of your reward, you know, talking about those who are taking delight in false humility and worship of angels. So if they're if, if a pastor makes a mistake. We all make mistakes, right? But if he's worshiping angels or if he's worshiping the created, that's what that represents is the created. They're worshiping their chain or their car, you know, pray for them and, and don't follow them. Find another church if you have to, but don't leave Jesus because of the false humility or worship of angels. Gotcha. So let me add on to what you say. Let me build on top of it. Amen. I was just in this passage yesterday when I was prepping for my podcast. And it was Matthew chapter 23, mm. verses 1 through 7. And I'm going to look at this in the NLT. And this okay. blew my mind. Right. And it led it, it me to a few other verses, and I'll share that with you in a moment. It says, Then Jesus said to the crowd and to his disciples, The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example. Mm. For they don't mm. practice what they teach. They crush people with their unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Mm. Everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture vessels inside. They wear robes with extra long tassels, and they love to sit at the head table at the banquets and in the mm. seats of honor in the synagogues. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplace to be called rabbi. So the key term is that teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey what they tell you but don't follow their example. And the reason mm. why this passage is so powerful, at least for me, it yes. goes back to the statement you made, right? But I will use the scriptures to support it. Hebrews chapter four, verse 15, it says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, mm. but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. See here, you mm. have a, a bunch of individuals, the Pharisees, and the experts in the law who have knowledge and insight, which means their value doesn't go unrespected. They're mm. respected. But the problem is to fulfill what is being asked of them is the challenge, right? Yeah. That's the challenge. Then what we read in Hebrews is that we do have someone who is able to empathize with us, which shows mm. he, we see God in his humanity that, just like us struggles with the idea of sin, the only difference is he didn't sin. That's why we can put mm. our faith and trust in him. Amen. Right? Is a passage in Romans chapter 3, verse 4, that says, Let God be found true, as he will be, and though every other person be found a liar. So that goes to what you're saying in the sense that the only person that should be founded as true is God. Right? Amen. God is not a man that he should lie. Praise God is God. the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if we're looking to put our faith and trust into someone who existed and provided us an example, right? We know in First John, he came, he came to give us understanding to him who is true, and we are in, we are in him who is true, 
by being in his son, Jesus Christ. He came mm. also to destroy the devil's work. So when we put these things together, we understand that the failure to live these things out is part of the challenge that we all face now today, right? We go to James chapter 3, verse 1. It says, not many of you should become teachers serving in an official teaching capacity. My mm. brothers and sisters, for you know that we who are teachers will be judged by a higher standard. Yeah. Because we have assumed greater accountability and more condemnation if we teach incorrectly, right? If you want to tag on a little bit more, we can go also to James chapter 1, verse 22 to 25. It says, don't just be, don't just listen to God's word. You must be doers of what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. So if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You don't see yourself walking away. And forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So the reason why I bring this all up is because James was clear also in chapter 4, verse 17, when he says, If you know the right thing to do and don't do it, that for you is evil. So for the person who knows to do good and doesn't do it, it's a sin. So we know that pastors will be judged more harshly when they step into the forefront to be the mouth of God. And we also mm. understand that the standard to live righteously is a challenge. We have that repentance to change our behavior, but it's still a struggle. Yeah. And we go back to that passage in Matthew. Don't allow the pastor's example to be the reason that taints the reason why we should follow Christ. No, so you, exactly. you gave a great example in regards to idolatry. I'm giving a great example as in regards to the behavior of those who are imperfect like us mm -hmm. and yet mess up on the biggest stage. Their yeah. messaging should not taint God. God is separate from man, right? There's nothing that God and man is the same other than we're created in his image. But as a result, there's a scripture that says that God does not think like us. Right. Our thinking is not the same. How we arrive is not the same. God is a God that doesn't have to arrive at information. He's already processed it all. Us as humans are continuing to learn. And that's the biggest thing. So great answer in your response when it came to the idols. But I wanted to pinpoint a little bit more on the pastorship and why that's impacting us now. If mm -hmm. people were looking at as an examples them messing up and then we'll question the legitimacy of why we should believe God as a result mm -hmm. of their bad example. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean it's a that's a tough one. I mean Yeah. But we gotta have grace too. But exactly. we can't con condone it. And if somebody makes a mistake and they repent immediately uh -huh. and they're you know they got the accountability, they confess it, they profess it, they forsake it. That's a different story. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, I would definitely just have, have grace because nobody's without sin, of course. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so let me ask you this. Now that, you know, you, what can you say God has done for you in regards of changing certain things that have brought you to a sense of freedom? 
what in your life can you say since he's arrived that has altered your way that you think about things? Like, what can you pinpoint that God has set you free of and put you in a place where you 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 can stand firmly in who you are in Christ? What can you say he's done for you? Yeah, I would say, you know, I always needed a woman. I was very dependent on a woman. And I was never able to be alone. So solitude and being content in who I am and being alone with Jesus has been one one big one. But also, you know, I'm not perfect, but as far as depending on outside substances for joy, for peace, for love, you know, where I'm maturing in my life, I, I see that even though I'm not doing meth and heroin, you know, my body still clings to the dust, right? I still drink caffeine you know i still have these these little struggles that i depend on for the wrong reasons where i can get all that from god right i can get the energy from god i can get the joy from god and so as far as god brought me you know i would definitely say i'm still a work in progress and i think at the end of the day his purpose is that we begin to depend on him for everything right for joy for peace, for love, for security. And, and you can find all that in money, like we were talking about, but it's temporary and it's not going to, unless God allows it, it's not going to fulfill us or be good for us. Um, but he wants us to depend, depend on him for every little thing, just like a baby depending on us when they're, when they're a child. They need us to feed them. They need us everything. You know, just being very dependent on, on the Lord. I think he's brought me so far into being so dependent on everything around me, needing this and needing that. and and you know, just yeah, just that that affects my mind and, and my body and the way I feel, and so. But uh, which is and actually ties in with to be making being made whole, right? Yeah. See, to be made whole is to be lacking in nothing of the things of God, and so I think that's where God's bringing us. Amen. And and, and we're still a work in progress. Hmm. Amen. I love what you just said. It's powerful. Yeah, that's very powerful. So. Do you have any favorite books in the Bible you don't mind sharing? Yeah, I mean, I have. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Honestly, one who bro, it often, right? It's like, oh. yeah, it's yeah. so hard to. I love Exodus. I mean, I love Romans. I love Deuteronomy. I love Hebrews. You know, these are my favorites. I just get so much meat off mm -hmm. of them, right? Yeah. Um, but I would share my favorite scripture. I think we sh I shared with you with you last night, Romans nine twenty three, that he is choosing to make known the riches of glory on the vessels of mercy to whom which he has prepared beforehand for glory. So before he created the world, he he prepared us for his glory, which is the immortality, the immortal, you know, immortality. The being born again of, of the seed of being born of, of above, like we're we're prepared for his glory. We're not strangers and aliens of his his kingdom. We're like already prepared. And I, I love that because it says the vessels of mercy. And it kind of ties in with that Romans 4 4. Now, when a man works, his wages are credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. But for the man who does not work, his 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 faith is credited to him as righteousness. So I think that vessels of mercy just ties in with his grace and that we're saved through the faith. And, and man, it's so, so meaty, man, this whole, and all Romans, all Romans nine, 11. Like I'm just, I'm in there right now. Gotcha.
Okay, so where can my audience find you if they want to listen to any amazing things you have to say, your, your growth uh, and development? Where can where can my audience find you? Um, we can you could just start with my Facebook. Um, my YouTube is still kind of you know I'm not even even nowhere close uh, to where where I need to be. Um, my Facebook is my you know my full name Terry Lee Diamond the Third. Okay. Um and my YouTube, if you want my YouTube, it's prepared for glory, prepared underscore glory uh-huh. underscore no prepared underscore for underscore glory. So say that one YouTube. more time. <laughs> okay, prepared underscore for f o r underscore glory. So prepared for glory. Uh-huh. And TikTok, got any TikTok uh, you want to put out there? Yeah. Actually, I for, actually I deleted my uh, TikTok because I had to upload a video. I forget my name, but I think it's also prepared for glory okay. with no underscores or anything. All right. Sounds great. Glad to have you on. So if you don't mind, can you close out in prayer for us? Yeah, absolutely. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this time that we're able to honor you and to speak your name and, and to praise your name, keep you at the center and testify to the world to what you are doing in your creation today. Lord, I believe you are still writing letters, the the, the written epistles by the Spirit of the living God. And I believe, Jonathan, uh, he is your son, and, and you've done a great work in him. And I thank you for your grace over his life. Everybody that is watching, I ask that they be encouraged to seek you on another level, God. And I ask that you draw them near, and you bring them closer. Um, and I thank thy... F- for thy Holy Ghost, I thank thee for for helping us, you know, to understand your word. I feel like that's a that's a big part of our recovery and our salvation is just understanding your word in a glorious way. And I ask that you continue to make this podcast fruitful um, so that your name may be glorified in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. All right. Amen, brother. Amen.